When you hear the word thrive, you might think of different things. Things might, different things might come to your mind uh, as it relates to that word and that concept, thrive or thriving. And certainly people uh, think about thriving in different terms and different ways and think about pursuing what it means to thrive. And, and uh, as they live a, a life that is a thriving life, they're going to go about that in different ways. Uh, some people think of thriving in terms of being really successful in business and being successful financially, and that's what they equate with thriving. Um, other people might think of sports, you know, thriving in athletics and going as far as you can um, all the way through your, your school sports career in college and then ultimately professional. And when you get there, when you get to the pros, that's what it really means to thrive. And then after that, you've got to pursue a championship to really be a thriving athlete, right? There's that, that pressure and that constant going to the next level. Um, some people look at education um, as a source of thriving. Others, health. You know, if you're really healthy, then you're considered to be a thriving individual. And so there's different ways of looking at or thinking about thriving, different ways of pursuing that kind of status as being one who thrives. One thing um, is, is sure about that, no matter how you look at it, that everyone wants to thrive. Everybody wants that. Everybody feels the need for that. Everybody has that desire uh, deep within them. There's, there's no one that says, ah, no, I just want to kind of go through life without any purpose and have a mediocre and empty existence. I'm fine with a meaningless life. At their core, everyone wants to thrive. And everyone feels the lack of thriving when they're not. That's something that's true of everyone. Everyone wants to thrive in life, not just survive. That's, that's the desire for everyone. With that, though, the thing that we need to understand and come to grips with is that there's really only one way to really thrive. There's only one way to really thrive. There's only one source of thriving that lasts no matter what happens or changes around us. We thrive, we thrive by abiding in Jesus. That's really the only true lasting source of thriving. And so that means then that you have to actually know Jesus. You actually have to have a personal relationship with Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, if you are to have a life that is really thriving. Uh, that's what it all comes down to. And that's what we're going to be talking about, uh, especially as we start off this month and today. We're going to be talking about that very specifically all month long in the new series, Thriving by Abiding. But that's also the theme for our church for the whole year. As we look ahead at 2021, that's going to be the theme that, that kind of... Um, grounds us this year. That's going to be the foundation for our church this year from which we proceed. And so really everything we seek to do, everything we want to accomplish, everything we want to be as a church family in 2021, we're going to, in one way or another, come back to that, to that theme, to that idea, that mindset, 
thriving by abiding. And abiding is a word that we don't really use that often. You know, we, we don't go around talking about abiding. Uh, that's just not really part of our regular vocabulary. Abiding, though, um, you can kind of equate with another word, residing. So think of it this way, abiding equals residing. Um, like someone opening up their home uh, to someone and, and saying, come and stay with us, come and live with us. You, you don't have a place to stay of your own, so come in, you're welcome here. Come in and stay with us, reside with us. It's, it's where you dwell, you know, it's where you live. And we certainly understand that. Uh, we equate living with where we live, right? When you meet someone, one of the, the early things you ask in your small talk as you're getting to know someone is, where do you, what? Where do you live? Where do you live? And, and that kind of describes identity. And we, we come to be known by where we dwell, where we live. And our home kind of defines us, you know? Um, we, we kind of establish who we are and, and what we are and how our life is by where we live. So abiding equals residing. And so to abide in Jesus, that's what we're talking about, that's our goal. We said just a second ago, that's, that's the only source of real thriving, right? So to abide in Jesus, kind of along the same lines, means to reside in Him. It means to live in and with Jesus, to dwell with Him. That's what it really means to abide. And Jesus talked about this concept of abiding in Him or remaining in Him, staying in Him in John chapter 15. And I want to draw your attention to just um, a couple of verses in this chapter. John 15, look at verse 4 with me starting off. And it's going to be on the screen too for you. John 15, verse 4 says this from Jesus. Abide, or you could say remain, reside in me and I in you. And here's something I want to point out really quick just right here. When he says, abide in me and I in you, the, the fact that he is saying he's going to abide in you isn't necessarily contingent on the, the first part of that, abide in me. Uh, in other words, if you abide in me, if you choose to just to, to dwell in me and, and you're focused on me, then and only then will I abide in you. He's, he's actually talking to his disciples, followers of, of him, which... You are if you have committed your life to Him as your Lord and Savior. And I want you to know that this statement, I and you, this really is because or since. So it's as if Jesus is saying, because I am in you, as one who is in me, focus on that. Choose to to abide in me. Choose to, to have everything you are come back to who I am. Let, let everything you are be, be wrapped up in me um, because I already am in you. So I just want you to know it, it's, it's not like there's this, this uh, contingency there, okay? He says, abide in me and I in you, or since I am abiding in you. And then he says this, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We don't have to be really 
good with uh, plants and fruits and things. We don't have to have a, a green thumb to understand the concept here. I mean, this is, this is basic. That there's not going to be a fruit tree whose branches uh, bear fruit on its own without a healthy source within it. Think of, think of the grapevine. Um, maybe you've, you've had grapes. Maybe you do that at your house or at your home, and you, you know about that. And you know that healthy grapes depend on a healthy vine. If your vine has some sort of problem with it, if it's, uh, if it's a sick vine, then the branches, the individual branches, they're not going to produce grapes. You've got to take care of the vine. The vine's got to be right. Well, thankfully, Christian, we don't ever have to worry about our vine being less than sufficient. We don't have to ever worry about our vine being sick or having issues or having problems because our vine isn't ourselves. It's not our fellow Christians. It's not a pastor. Our vine is the Lord Jesus Himself. And He's the perfect, all-sufficient vine. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, it depends on a vine, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Why? Verse 5 tells us what I just said. He says this, I am the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. And he uses I am there to reference his absolute divinity. In the Old Testament, I am was a statement of the absolute unique character and power of God, of Yahweh. It was that personal name. We spent a long time a few months ago talking about the names of God. And I am kept coming up. I am. It, mean, it meant the, the all-sufficient one, right? The, the eternal one, the almighty. And so Jesus is actually using that for himself. He's saying, I am all-sufficient for you. I'm the Almighty One. I am the only vine that can always provide you with what you need. I am the vine, he says. You are the branches, talking to his disciples. And by extension, we can include ourselves in that. He's talking to us. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. What kind of fruit is he, he talking about here? Um, think of the fruit of the Spirit. Think of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 talks uh, about that, particularly verses 22 and 23, and it lists different fruit that we're supposed to be known by, the fruit that the Spirit produces in us, as opposed to, in contrast with, the fruit of the flesh, the fruit of sin. You know, sin in the flesh produces anger and, and jealousy and bitterness and um, lack of control. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, by contrast, produces gentleness and patience and self-control and discipline and grace and love. And it produces everything that we all want to see in, in other people and that we're supposed to produce, have produced in our own lives as followers of Jesus Christ. But none of that comes from ourselves. You know, I, I can't be the type of Christian I should be and want to be on my own. I can't do it. Neither can you. That's why so often you're discouraged in your Christian life. That's why so often it seems like and feels like you're, you're just spinning your wheels in your Christian walk. Because in those times where you feel that way, it's not that the Lord Jesus has deserted you. It's not that the Spirit of God within you is suddenly powerless. It, it's because you're depending on your own power. 
as opposed to the power of God in you. That's a good indication of why you have those experiences and why you feel that way from time to time. It, don't, don't look up and blame. Look, look in and reflect and, uh, and, and say, okay, who or what am I depending on for my vitality as a Christian? Who and what am I depending on for my spiritual success? It, it has to come from the Spirit of God in you who produces that spiritual fruit. And, and so without naming the Spirit of God, that's really what Jesus is, is saying here in terms of bearing much fruit. It's the fruit that the Spirit of God produces. And then he says this as he finishes this statement. He it is that bears much fruit, the one that abides in the Lord Jesus. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, Jesus says, apart from me, the vine, you, the branches, can do, you can produce nothing of spiritual significance. You can produce nothing of eternal value apart from me. We just don't have it in us, church, Christian, branch. (laughs) We just don't have it in us. Our effectiveness, our thriving as Christians is entirely and exclusively dependent on our relying on the Lord Jesus Christ and on the Spirit of God we have through Him. This this abiding is a command from Jesus. Verse 4 starts off saying, abide in me. He's saying, do it. He's talking to His followers, believers in Him, and He's saying, abide in me. You're, you're following me. You're my disciple. You say you're a believer. Okay, well then abide in me as one who is genuinely in me. I'm already in you. I'm in you. I'm abiding in you. I'm dwelling in you. So you need to make that conscious decision as one who is in me that you're going to focus all of your attention, all of your mind, all of your heart is going to be focused on me. It's going to be wrapped up in me. You're going to be saturated by me. That's, that's what he's saying there. And as you do that, as you make that decision, and that is a choice on our part, moment by moment, day after day, we have to choose as people who identify with the Lord Jesus, as people who say, yes, I believe in him. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. As people who would be identified as branches of the vine, we have to choose constantly to be saturated with the vine and by the vine. For apart from Him, we can do nothing. And that use of nothing there, church, that applies to everything. That applies to everything in your life. That applies to your relationships. That applies you know, to your, uh, your marriage, husbands and wives. You can't love one another the way you're supposed to do unless you are absolutely drawing strength and drawing power and drawing ability from your vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we're told in Ephesians chapter 5 what it looks like to actually have a godly, Christ-centered, Christ-honoring marriage. And it's hard work. I tell every couple that I counsel with, be, be ready for the responsibility that you have as you're entering into this union because wives are told and commanded to submit to their husbands, to honor the husband's role as the head of that family unit. 
And that's hard, especially considering how some of the husbands are, right? You, you poor wives, man, you need prayer. Married to us. Whew. But yet, you're, you're told to submit to us, not because we're, we just deserve that and because we're so worthy of submission. No, not at all. Because your submission to us, wives, as, as your husband, is a direct honoring of the Lord Jesus. It's submitting to Him as you submit to us. But that goes contrary to every fiber of your being in your humanity. That goes contrary to your nature. And guys, husbands, we're told to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for it. A self-sacrificial love, not insisting on our way. That goes against our nature. It's contrary to everything we are. And so, for your relationships as husband and wives, you can't depend on yourself to do that. You've got to depend on the power of God in you, which is available to you through the living Lord Jesus, your vine. That's how it comes down to it. And it extends to all other relationships. It's not just about marriage. It's the same as, as kids with their parents and friends together and um, you know, grandparents and uncles and aunts and your neighbors and, and those kinds of relationships. I mean, any human relationship... It's hard enough, even when you are depending on, on the power of God to love people well, it's hard enough then. You certainly can't do it without that. Uh, I mean, we humans, we're just too messed up for that. And relationships are too complex and too messy uh, to try to do it on your own. And, and you know what it looks like when you try on your own. That's why you end up in such a mess. That's why there's so many broken relationships, because we're not depending on the vine. To do it. So it applies to everything. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. We can't be the Christian we want to be. It applies to our, our personal holiness, our walk with the Lord Jesus. You know, it applies to choosing righteousness over sin, pursuing righteousness instead of pursuing sin. It, it applies to our thought life, what we think about, what we choose, and what we decide to do. It's, it applies to our actions. It applies to our, our personal devotion to Christ. It applies to um, being disciplined in, in our Bible reading, disciplined in prayer. It applies to our worship uh, before Him. It applies to serving the Lord Jesus and serving others. I mean, it applies to everything. Nothing of spiritual significance can be accomplished apart from the Lord Jesus Christ and apart from our dependence on Him. Apart from our, our choosing to be completely saturated by all that He is in us. And the other thing I want to point out is that this, this kind of life, this kind of, of dependence on the Lord Jesus, which is what he's talking about here when he, he's talking about abiding. It's depending on him. And, and this, this availability of having him work in and through us and, and all of his power uh, being available, that's, that's something that every believer in Christ has. This is not something that's just available to a select few. It's not that there's this elite section of, of the body of Christ that are known as branches connected to the vine. That's not true at all. If you're in Jesus Christ, if you have committed your life to Him as your Lord and Savior, you are just as much 
a branch connected to him, the vine, as anybody else. It is not like it's, it's exclusively something that is limited to the clergy, you know, the pastors. Only we are truly connected to the vine. And, and then we, we help you um, be connected to, to us who's connected to the vine. That's not true at all. That's a complete lie. And yet, unfortunately, it's taught as truth in many, many different communities of faith. That you, you have to go through someone else, or you have to depend on someone else, or, or your pastor, or your bishop, or whoever is closer and more connected to the vine than you are, and than you can be. So you have, to, you have to really rely on them. No, not at all. Not at all. Brothers and sisters, we have equal access to an equal connection to the vine. Okay? And, and while, while certain believers might have evidence of greater fruit than other believers, it doesn't mean they're any less connected to the vine. It means that the believers that have less fruit showing and on display in their life is because they are less dependent on the vine than that other one is. But we all are connected, and we all have the potential to bear the same amount of fruit together. All right, it's very important to understand that. Very important. So, apart from Jesus, our vine, we can do nothing. We can bear no real fruit. And so, abiding in Christ, church, means choosing to let His life flow through every part of our life. That's what abiding means. Choosing to let His life flow through every part of our lives. And, and I mean every part, every aspect. Just like the, you, you t- look at a, you know, at a grapevine there on an arbor, and you see all these wonderful grapes being produced, you know, and they're beautiful, they're, they're just they're perfect. It's because the nutrients that those individual branches need to produce those, those grapes, it's flowing from the vine. The vine gives and carries all the nutrients and all the, the ability that those branches need to produce that fruit. It's the same thing with us connected to our vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's every, everything He is, His life and His power, His ability in us, flowing through us. Um, there's Another way of putting this so that you can really grab onto this in your mind, there was a show I saw just over the weekend, and the guy in the TV show, he was like kind of trapped in the 80s. He was stuck in the early 80s, and so he got this new laptop. He had no idea how to use it, and especially he didn't understand that you have to actually plug it in to power it that it has a battery in it that you have to plug in for power to come to the battery for you to still be able to use your laptop. He got it and he started using it and, and it quickly died. So he brought it back to the store and he was all upset. And he said, this thing's a piece of junk. You sold me something that doesn't work. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I, it was working and now it's not working and I can't get it to do anything. Take it back. And he said, did you plug it in? And the guy you know, looked really like he felt, really stupid. He's like, what do you mean plug it in? The guy showed him the power cord and he said, you, you plug it in here, you plug it in your outlet and it gives power and it charges your battery so you can use it. And the guy, you know, was, was pretty frustrated at how stupid he felt, but now he finally could use this laptop. 
And um, it's like that, you know, with us. Uh, so many times we get so frustrated and we, we, we say, oh, well, I guess this Christian life doesn't work. It's just not working out because I'm not any farther along than I was before. I just, I don't see myself as thriving. I'm not flourishing. So I guess it just doesn't work. What's the use of faith? What's the use of this relationship with Christ? But many times we act and live like that laptop that wasn't plugged in to get the charge to the battery. Many times we're just not as connected as we need to be. We're distracted by all these different things and we're looking to other sources of power and other sources of satisfaction and other sources of fulfillment. Meanwhile, there's everything we need in the living Lord Jesus within us. But we're just not tapping in. It, it's, it's like another example is, is our, our modern phones, you know, our, our cell phones, our smartphones. For them to have any real purpose and, and effectiveness, we need to either be connected to Wi-Fi or connected to the cell tower to be able to do anything on it. If we're not connected to the cell tower, we're not connected to the Wi-Fi, it's of basically no use to us, right? It's about connecting something beyond the device itself, That's how it is with us. Being someone who, as a genuine Christian, abides in Jesus, it's all about choosing to let His life and His power flow through us, through every part of us, and depending on His ability, not our own. That's what it's about. That's what it looks like. And as we do that, as we we choose that every moment, every day, I'm going to be someone who gets out of the way and allows the Lord Jesus to live His life in and through mine. I'm going to depend on His power in me for everything I am and everything I do. Here's the other thing that happens. Abiding in Jesus results in living like Jesus. As we choose daily to abide in Him, to reside in Him, to dwell in Him, and all our focus is on Him, and and our connection is is just exclusively tied to Him, then what's going to happen is we're going to start to actually live like Him. And and this is not really up for debate, or uh, this, this is not optional. This is something that will happen. If you are truly in Christ, if you're really a branch that's part of the vine, as you choose to really abide in the vine, you know, just to stay totally connected to Him and and focused on Him and saturated by Him, this will be true of you. It will mark your life. You will start to look like Him and resemble like like Him like He is, and, and you're going to start to live like Him. Because you can't, you can't live with Jesus without also living like Jesus. It's just, it's just impossible. It's not going to happen other than that. So here's what 1 John 2.6 says. 1 John 2.6 says, Whoever says he abides in him, in Jesus, so you, know, you, you say, Oh yeah, I, I'm a believer in Christ. I, I'm one who abides in Jesus. Absolutely. All right, so whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You say you live in Jesus? He's, 
He's your life? Great. Well, then let's look at how you live. Let's look at how you walk. It's really what James talks about. James chapter 2, the faith and the works thing. You know, he says, hey, you can say all day long, oh, I have faith, 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 faith. Yeah, I'm a person of faith. Great. Well, let's look at your life. He says, you can say you have faith, but then have an empty life. And what, what I'm going to do, James says, is I'm going to show you my faith by how I live. I'm going to walk my talk. I'm going to walk as one who has genuine faith. And, and he, he talks about how um, just as a, um, a, a body, a corpse, you know, is, is useless, a body without breath in it, without life, it, it's dead and useless, it can't do anything, so is faith without works, right? That's the concept here. Whoever says he really abides in Jesus, then he better walk in the same way Jesus walked. He better live like the Savior he claims to be part of. You can't live in Jesus and not be like him. The two are connected. So then that begs the question, okay, how do we do that? If that's how it is, if that's if that's how it works, and it's so important to live like Jesus lived, to walk like He walked as one who really abides in Him, how do we do that? Well, there's, there's many different ways, but two of the most basic and most essential, most important ways we do that are by constantly reading and being saturated by and applying His Word. Being people of the Word. Knowing Scripture, loving Scripture, reading Scripture, being saturated by Scripture, and then applying Scripture to your life, to every part of your life. That's a big, big, big way of living and walking like Jesus did. The other, right along with it, is by constant communication with Him in prayer. Constantly talking to and with Him. And and here's the other part that we often forget or neglect— actually listening to Him. Not just talking to Him. Not even just talking with Him. Hearing from Him. Quieting your mind and quieting your heart and and getting rid of of all these competing voices in your life and all these other distractions and willfully tuning all those things out so that you can actually hear from Him. Because, Christian, your Savior wants to commune with you. He wants to speak to you through His Spirit that's in you. And He will. He just won't force His voice. He won't force it. He'll wait for you to listen. And so that's that's a big part of it. So constantly reading and applying Scripture, constantly communicating with, and, and that with means hearing from Him, not just talking to Him in prayer. Okay? So, Here's the other thing about walking as Jesus walked, which we're supposed to do as people who truly abide in Him. If we abide in Him, we're going to live like Him. That means walking as He walked. That's what 1 John 2.6 just told us. Walking as Jesus walked was never meant to be a solo journey. Walking as Jesus walked was never meant to be a solo journey. No. 
It's meant to be done as brothers and sisters helping each other become more like our Savior as we abide in Him together. It's meant to be be done together. Branch to branch. Brothers and sisters together. Climbing this mountain of faith. Climbing this mountain journey we call the Christian life. Helping one another. And every time one of us reaches a higher level than the other, it, it doesn't mean we, we start to arrogantly act towards our brother and sister, demeaning them for why they're not up there with us. Oh, well, look, look at how inferior you are in your Christian life. Oh, I'm so glad I'm so farther along than you. No, not at all. And so often, oh, it's so easy, isn't it, for us to play the Pharisee? Isn't it so easy to be Pharisaical in our Christian life? And to thump our chest and say, oh, I thank you, God, for where I am in my spiritual journey. Oh, I thank you that I am so connected to you, the vine. And all oh, pity, all oh, pity these, these weak brothers and sisters of mine. And of course, we never will say that out loud. But so often, let's just be real, that's the, the attitude of our heart, right? where we can so easily look down in judgment and in condemnation on those who maybe aren't far, as far along as we are by God's grace, by no doing of our own effort, by His grace and work in us. And instead of that, no, what we need to do is, is constantly be looking at who might be behind us farther down, who needs our hand reached out to help pull them up to where we are. We need to be constantly, as we're climbing forward, we need to also be looking back to see who we can reach out to that's behind us and below us and bring up. And here's the other thing. We will always need someone above us to do the same. No matter where you are in your Christian life, there is always going to be someone who's farther along than you are that you need to rely on. And so it's this reciprocal thing. They help us, those who are farther along and stronger than we are, and we help others who are not as far along and strong as we are. And we're doing that together, like a chain. That's what it, what it means to walk as Jesus walked. It means to do it together, helping one another out constantly, without judgment, without arrogance, without some sense of superiority that none of us are entitled to and have any reason to have. That's what it means to be the church. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. That's what it means to be a church that really thrives. And that's what I want for us, Faith Baptist. That's what I hope you want. I mean, don't you want to be a church that thrives? I mean, certainly, you don't want to be a church that just gets by that just exists. You don't want to be a church that just kind of coasts along, kind of in a just ho-hum eh, way. No, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm assuming that you, like me, want to be a church that truly thrives. And, and by that, I don't mean in some egotistical, self-serving way. I mean like what we're talking about here. A church that abides. Because that's, that's what it means to thrive, really. It, it means abiding in Jesus. As, as one, as an individual, and as a 
a group of people, as a body that truly knows and is connected to that vine. Once you come to Christ, you're immediately part of the vine. And that's not going to change, right? That's, that's why I stressed what I did at the beginning, verse 4 of John 15, when Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. It, it, that's, a, that's an absolute guarantee, okay? But that abiding is, again, about deciding. I'm going to reside exclusively in Him. I'm going to be focused exclusively on Him. I'm going to be saturated by Him. Every part of me is going to be wrapped up in and dependent on my Savior, the vine. And that's, that's the kind of church I want us to be. A church that truly thrives because we're a church that truly abides. But here's the thing. It starts with the individual. Abiding in Christ and thereby thriving as a believer, it starts at the individual level. It's, it's up to you to choose and decide to do that, to be that. It's up to me to decide for myself. I can't decide for you. You can't decide for me. I can't, I can't do this for you. You can't do this for me. But as we choose to live in this way, uh, as we do this as individuals, then, then it's going to, to spread out. And as I'm thriving by abiding in Christ, and as you're thriving by abiding in Christ, as you're doing it and I'm doing it and we're doing it together, then guess what? Then we're going to have a church that truly thrives. We're going to have a church that abides. That's what I want for you. It's what I want for me. It's what I want for us. And when that's true, when we act and function in this way, when we really are a church that thrives, then people outside of us won't be able to ignore that something's different about us. They won't be able to ignore it. They may not yet believe everything that we believe. They may not buy what we're selling, so to speak. <laughs> not that we're selling. You, you get what I'm saying. They may not fully jump in, but they're not going to be able to ignore that there is something special, something different about us if we would be a church that truly thrives. If we are a church made up of individuals and then all coming together as people who truly thrive because we're truly abiding in Christ. They're not going to be able to ignore it, and they're going to be more likely to come and see what all this is about. I want us to grow in 2021. I want to see more chairs filled. But, but I don't want to see chairs filled just to be able to say, oh, look at how many people we have here. Look at how many chairs we have. Oh, we're busting at the seams. That's not why I want to see people coming in. I want to see people coming in because they see in us what it looks like to have a church and to be a church that truly thrives. I want them to see Faith Baptist as a group of people that really understand what it means to abide in Christ. And I hope you want that too. May that be our goal in 2021. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You how, for how clear it is. Thank You for how real it is. Thank You for the promise that if we are in Your Son, we've given Him our life, we've committed to Him, as our Lord and Savior, then we are immediately and eternally connected to and part of the vine that is your Son. 
And thank You that we don't have to worry about suddenly not being part of that vine anymore. That's not what it means to abide. Um, it, It doesn't mean as we only if we choose to do A will Jesus follow through on B to, to keep us connected to Him. That's not what it's about. Thank you for that. Thank you also for the fact that as we do choose to reside in Him completely, to live every part of our life in and through the Lord Jesus, then we are guaranteed and promise that He will live His life in and through us in every part. And, oh, Father, I pray that that will be true of us. May we be people who without a doubt show the life of the Lord Jesus in every part of our life. May we be people that completely depend on His power and His ability in everything we do, everything we are. Because truly, like He said, apart from Him, we can do nothing. Please help us to remember that. And help us as we abide in Your Son to live like Him, to walk like He walked. All by the power of Your Spirit in us, because we are powerless on our, on our own, and also with one another, arm in arm with our brothers and sisters who are also seeking and choosing to be completely, totally abiding in Him. Help us to do that together as it's meant to be done. I ask all this with praise and with thanks for what You've done and are going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.